Hi, my name's Michael and welcome to Today Dreamer, a podcast and YouTube channel that examines the interplay between inner work and outer work. Through conscious conversations and practical walkthroughs, we'll be exploring ideas and practices to help you find a deeper sense of clarity, develop your focus and take meaningful action. I hope you love the show. Today's episode is going to be with Kevin Courtney. This conversation really, I guess it was a something that came up spontaneously in my life. It was a matchup of, of, of sorts where I was listening to this music, this piece of music on my Spotify uh, discovered discovery section. They, they kind of put together a a playlist based, you know, algorithm decides what I'm into and recommends certain songs for me based on what I've been listening to and liked and, and this and that. And um, yeah, on that on that suggestion list, which I kind of go through weekly, it's a great way to find new music and explore. Uh, I found, you know, a song that really touched me, really hit me in a, in a special place that, that made me... Um, well, allowed me to really do one of the things, uh, do the thing that I was just talking about, and that is to pause and to really kind of feel into the moment. And this song captivated me so much that I thought I'd reach out to the artist and see if I could share this piece of music through the podcast. And as I was typing the email uh, to the artist, I thought, you know what, this piece of music is really... Um, hit a very special place in my heart and my soul and I'm going to see if I can get this artist onto the show to have a conversation around you know what's going on with this piece of music how they created it their own artistic expression and journey and and see who this person is let's find out a little bit more so after a bit of digging I found Kevin so that's the guest of today's episode and um yeah, it, it just felt like a really natural and effortless conversation, which is a rare thing for me. And it felt, um, it really felt right to follow this calling to get in touch. So I'd like to, I guess, offer you this, this little story as a way of encouraging you to follow whatever calling might come up and, and follow any path that might present itself in your life. Be open to it and see where it leads you. Uh, so I'll tell you a bit about this episode. So um, there's going to be a guided meditation from Kevin at the end. And there's going to be some, you know, soundscapes, some beautiful pieces of music that I'm going to play throughout this journey. I'm calling it a journey um, with Kevin through his beautiful stories and sounds and um, life, really lessons that he's he's got he's going to share with us and we're going to learn to really listen to the inner flow of sound in our lives um so you know we talk a lot about this feeling and how to unbury our our true feeling to feel what we're really experiencing and to gain some clarity on on you know what we really want to be doing and what's happening you know that clarity is a nice thing so we speak about that and um, I think it fits perfectly, all the episodes recently have, with this kind of beautiful shift in, in, in the show and what's happening right now in the world. What is going on? 
and um, some of the struggles contained within that and some of the ways that we might be able to move into that experience and, and through it rather than fight it. Um, so that's pretty much all I want to say about, you know, for an intro. And it's been a bit of a different intro for me. But um, what else can I say? I'd like you to subscribe, I guess. And I would like you to um, more so just kind of come on the journey with me. Come on this journey of exploration. And subscribing is a way to do that. Um, let me know what you think if you've got any feedback. But I really want to kind of welcome you if this is your first time listening into this experience with me. And um, yeah, let's see where it takes us. Let's see if we can uncover, you know, some better ways to listen to ourselves, to reach a state of stillness and to share that around with, um, you know, the people, the, the beings and the, and the planet that, we, that we're existing with. So let's get into the chat with with Kevin, anyways. The uniqueness of everyone's position, and how that or and how that relates to sound. It's like those who are mm, I don't know. You're either holding on really tight right now, or you're really comfortable with letting go, <laughs> and that seems to be a lot of the polarity too is at least in the the circles of people that i that i know and have spoken to and have been in process with that are strong seekers of truth let's say over the last 25 years the the, the concept of sort of dissolution or the breakdown of the fabric of something being uh, a, a, a generative, powerful sort of precipice of some other emergent technology or worldview or whatever it is that the disruption is less disruptive to that faction. It's kind of like, oh, the game's on right now. Like everything's falling apart. <laughs> and then there are those that are holding steady to like keep it the an, an old way or something and that that sort of tension in that i don't know it's so complex you know it's so complex yeah i i it kind of makes me i'm just kind of like just i guess preparing for this chat with you i i kind of just found out a little bit about what you went through which was quite mm. interesting and I mean, it's, it's, there's some interesting parallels with kind of this, this moment of reflection and um, consideration, you know, what's mm. going on at the moment, what's happening now, you know, what's happening in, in your life. And, and, and then kind of just reflecting upon that for a moment. It seems like um, it's, it's a pivotal moment for many and it just makes me think of kind of the journey that you went through uh, with, you know, the various, um, the various kind of times that you had to face your own mortality. Yeah. Um, did you yeah. want to, maybe that's a good place to kind of kick things off with, um, with, you know, the recording just so that we can kind of, kind of take a nice, easy, uh, smooth takeoff. What do you reckon? Cool. Yeah, yeah. But before I'm, we, I'm, 
Yeah. Before we get into it though, I just I just remembered I've started doing this ritual before every episode and I wanted to invite you to do it quickly with me. And it's it's really simple. It's only a breath. But I think a breath is is um it's interesting because it's quite simple, but then at the same time it's it's our life force and it's it, it's got so much meaning behind it, you know? Mm-hmm. So um do you want to just take a breath in with me and then we can kind of launch? Gladly. Yeah. All right, let's do it. So everyone out there as well, I invite you to join us. I'm just going to take one deep inhale through the nose as, as long as possible and as slowly and um, smoothly as we can. And when we reach the place between the inhale and the exhale, the expansion and the contraction, just pause for a moment. And then just release. So yeah, let's um, mm. let's talk a bit about your story, Kevin. <laughs> well, thank you for that. That was much needed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, gosh, you know it's funny that I'm imagining you're you're speaking about the the my brush with cancer and that, that mortality check. And when, when you're asking about that, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, your brush with cancer and everything you went through, you know, with the second wave of kind of, I guess the shock wave of, of nine eleven. Yeah. And um, just kind of rearranging things with your life. Like that seems, yeah, pretty, pretty relevant especially at a time like today like we mentioned when there's a, a big group of people that are really just holding on and mm. then there's another group that are that have somehow you know whether it's been over the years or just have um found a way to let go and and kind of surrender into things with a sense of kind of acceptance i guess mm. yeah um yeah yeah you know it's um it's interesting, Michael, because the as we were talking before we started, the the piece that was the foundation to that uh, unwinding of two thousand one for me, and then and then the the sort of having a doctor a few years prior to that say to me, you know, had we not found this melanoma you would have been dead in a year you know and and that was 98 but the piece that actually came to mind and you know it it kind of sounds like a trail of like trail of tears that i'm talking about but it was this was a significant alteration and given the fact that one of the things that you connected with me about was the music element it's it's worth mentioning 
in 94, I was in, a, in an accident and actually that was the beginning of a, a massive shift. And that without getting into too much detail involved me getting myself caught in a grease fire and had my hands caught on fire. And that event, I was 22 years old. I was a musician. I was um, in college and had this event happen, you know, where th this sort of traumatic event of having like seeing my hands on fire in front of me and just be being in total disbelief that it was happening and then waking up the next day in the hospital and thinking, oh, I'm like totally out of it and and going like, oh, I've got to get out of here. Like I got to get back to school. I got tests, da, da, da. And doctor came in and said, you know, we're going to have to essentially keep you here for the next five days and then uh, take you into surgery to amputate your thumbs and your index fingers. And that was the that was a catastrophic break you know and so in relationship to how we're, we're tracking this conversation from what's happening now to what's happened to me in the past that's sort of been synonymous with this kind of an unfolding or or dis disintegration or dissolution that moment of you know especially being a musician where it's like a guitar player and everything's about my hands. Um, man, I mean, I just broke and the irony and the pain, <laughs> the painful irony that the, I was in a burn unit in, in Arizona, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. And the guy in the room next to me, had burned his leg on a, like spilled a pot of coffee and burned his leg and he was a guitar player and all he did was sit in his room and play guitar all day. And, and he's sitting know, next to you. He was in the room next to me and I could hear every bit of sound coming from the room. So it was like, you know, hell. And, um, what was amazing about that experience was there, and I, I mean, I guess I can talk about it now because like the statute of limitations on this kind of thing is probably up, but I was scheduled to go into surgery at 7 a.m. on a Thursday morning. And there was one nurse that was with me on, let's see, I was six days in. So she was with me for four 12 hour rotations and she was the one that got in my face kind of right away as I was really in the wallow, like wallowing in my misery. She basically was the, uh, we got a huge fight on day two because she was like, look, Kevin, like you're going to live. And there's, you know, a 92 year old man that's three doors down. That's not, there's a two year old baby that's, also in the unit that's not going to live like you're going to live and i remember just tearing into her like all my rage of the mm -hmm. fact that i was in this reality came out and i went off and she stood her ground and just was like are you done and it was like 
uh, and she goes, okay, well, let's start talking about, you know, you healing. And she, so she was with me for four 12 hour shifts and I was scheduled to go into surgery. I mean, man, I haven't told this story in a, in a, in a, in a long time. And it's funny that this is where we're starting, but this is where we're starting. Um, she woke me up at mm. three 30 in the morning and it was straight out of a movie. I mean, she was, she was, my mom had brought in a cassette tape of me and that's when it was, you know, it's 94. Mm. It was a cassette tape of me playing guitar. And this woman had hit play and she was literally listening to me play guitar. And she's like, listen, I, you know, could lose my license for doing this, but I, I'm going to tell you, I don't think you need to do this surgery and it's going to be a much longer path of healing and it's going to be much harder work, but the amputation of your fingers is the fastest way to get you healed and to get you out of the hospital and how fast your hands have healed in the last four days is nothing short of a miracle. And I think that you should know that you can say no to this surgery. What was and the surgery? Was no, Sorry. What's that? What, what kind of surgery was it? Oh, to amputate my thumbs and index fingers. And you just thought that was kind of the only way to go. I had six doctors telling me this is what you need to do, you know, and you know, that, and I, and I under, I can understand now why they were saying that, you know, in both positive and negative frameworks, you know, one being maybe the negative being it is the fastest way to move me along, but also the potential complications that they were talking about if I didn't do it were, you know, potentially catastrophic. And so there was just the message to me was saying, this is what you need to do in order to play it safe and to survive. So I was like, I mean, I was in shock, you know, I was like, okay, I guess that's what I need to do. And this nurse, I mean, I'll never forget her. She's the only reason, you know, two hours later I woke up and I said, I'm not, I don't want to do it. And they were not happy. And I ended up spending five weeks in the burn unit. And uh, it was about a year, a little over a year before I could use my hands again. But, you know, here I am with 10, you know, 10 fingers and, and, you know, continue to play music and all of that. But I tell that story because it exemplifies a moment of fracture in my reality that was so severe in its sort of consequence that it, it, it just woke me up, you know, and it, it was like, it was such a level of chaos and confusion and mm, struggle. And the only thing to do was to meet it, you know, and I could have taken a turn of just falling prey to, um, creating a real solid story about that limitation. And 
I chose a different path. And so by the time this moment in my life that you're talking about around 9-11 and bearing witness to that moment, you know, that's the thing. That's the thing, Michael, is like that accident set me on a different trajectory. And by the time 2001 rolled around, I had gone from fully waking up and saying like, life is to be lived <laughs> to the fullest to, you know, nine years later being back in a trajectory of, I'm going to get a solid job. I'm going to make some good money. I'm going to, you know, I basically stepped back on this track that was about pursuing th things that were less about my passion and purpose and more about like, this is what I should do to make a living, you know? And what 9-11 did for me was essentially break me out of that mold again. It woke me back up and I was like, wait a second, I've fallen back into this way that I'm not passionate about at all. And so what do I really love? And it was like, I love playing music. And at the time, I happened to love the science and philosophy and technology of yoga. Mm. And I was like, I'm going to leave my corporate, this corporate job, and I'm going to pursue what I love. And um, we're, you know, we're, we're 19 years later at this point. And yeah, that's what I, you know, that's what I'm doing. Crazy. That's a crazy story, man. And and it's really there's so many there's so many points that I I would like to kind of focus in on. But sure. wow, what an experience, you know? Like what what a kind of yeah. It's interesting how you mm. know sometimes these or not sometimes I feel like all the time these whatever happens to us is kind of exactly what we need in that moment, yeah. and that comes up over and over again. You hear it, you know, the worst thing that happened to me is kind of you know kind of set up my life in a on a different trajectory that you know now you probably wouldn't have it any other way but um there's some some really interesting points that you that you touched on there mm -hmm. and I kind of would, wouldn't mind actually going through all of them at some point I, I found it interesting how you mentioned you kind of came back to the sense of honesty with yourself and the possibility of going down a different path and that moment it's like a moment of okay I'm kind of which which way do I go at the moment? Do I zig or do I zag? And it's like figuring out um, figuring that out. And that seems as well. This is another point. It seems to be because you revisited that point multiple times in your life. I think that it is a cyclical thing, and it does kind of happen over and over again in our lives. And and each time we need to realign and and um, make make kind of micro adjustments along the journey and. Um, recheck ourselves and this this whole idea of reflection um, is kind of what the reason I put this whole show together to be honest is to be able to find ways to reflect and then kind of look at kind of reevaluate what's going on what's happening and then and then kind of um, you know go from there and then repeat the process and um, yeah this this is just there's so many areas that I think I can kind of focus in on but it, it is very interesting um especially because it is i feel at the moment such a time that um you know it's a time to 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 kind of have that that reflection 
And um, that story really rings true. So, wow. And I also find it interesting that humans have, um, it seems like the change doesn't happen instantly, you know. Um, you weren't, you didn't instantly end up in that hospital bed and then instantly change. There seems to be quite a process. What'd you say? It was 94. So that's yeah. quite, quite a while ago to, you know, I'm sure not only where we are now, but until some real change really started taking place, um, not real changes, change always happens, but I guess, um, you know, there's this process of kind of it feels like we're standing still, even though we're kind of moving in a way, but then, you know, we don't really launch off for a while and it seems to be a trait of the human race. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the thing that comes up hearing you talk about that or, or point to that is the, the level of, if I, if I look back to that time, and I look at my capacity to be honest with myself, you know, as opposed to now, you know, there, if I'm, if I get fearful now, I can say I'm, I'm feeling fear, you know, and I can, and I have the, the willingness and the capacity and the sense that I can still stand up well, <laughs> and simultaneously be open about that or admit to that or 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 reckon with that and that was if i look at the decisions i was making back then i mean man it's i think most of us culturally are groomed and I'm sure it's, yeah, I mean, it's biological too, the, 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 the need and drive and desire to survive and then thrive, mm. you know, and I, everybody's unique and everybody meets that deep visceral, those deep visceral drivers in their own way. I was one to you know, for, for other reasons, which would, you know, track me back to a younger time in my life that, that I chose to um, negate the, those fears and, and sort of co contract around them and then create another front that was otherwise. And I was living a life that was that presentation because that, looked and felt like what I was supposed to do. And probably because a lot of people around you were doing similar things. Totally, totally. I mean, it was just cultural and it was, and it was the way in which, you know, folks in my family did things, you know, it was what I, it was what I had seen uh, in, it was what was modeled for me. And, but I think the, the ability to, um, really be with the truth of the matter with how we really feel and what we really want um, is so buried for most of us. And I think that um, at least for myself, I can look back to that event and say, oh, well, it brought me to my knees and, and created a level of 
chaos, which I think is very relevant to today, where with so many people being brought to their knees, that the the facade of safety or the facade of security, that when that breaks down and we actually are stuck in our homes or stuck in these scenarios where nothing's moving yet, I can say for myself, based on all of the systems that I've studied and you know, whether it's the yoga tradition or whether it's, I don't know, I think about Taoism and the way that system perceives change and the nature of change. And I can say that, wow, for me, I hold to the belief that nine times out of 10, when we're pushed to an edge, we are going to discover an inner resource that we just did not know we had, you know? And that's what I feel like a lot of folks right now are going through the process and whether they're aware they have those inner resources yet or not, if you get stuck somewhere long enough, you know, or you're in a hospital bed long enough and the ego structures or the top superficial levels of strength and power break down, some deeper will find its way to the surface. I feel like this is probably a good point to play one of your songs for everyone to just kind of let that sink in a little bit. And um, yeah, because it is, there is quite a bit there. I'll give a moment to kind of to the to the reflection of that so let's do that now great
I'd be interested to hear how how the music started coming back and how the um I don't know how this your inner sound uh evolved through your being during that process. Oh man, I really uh well I, I just uh, appreciate being able to have the conversation. You know, I haven't thought about it like that in a long time. So uh, appreciate getting the chance to reflect on that uh, for sure. So thank you. And um, well, it, I would say it started out as, you know, music for me started out like it starts out with, you know, for most people in terms of a vehicle that connected me to a feeling that I couldn't yet either articulate or understand or um, access on my own, you know, and so listening to music was always uh, that, I mean, that this is, I think this is the, the technology of music, right? It's a, it's a medium that uh, delivers us or, or opens up an access point to us some, somewhere within us, um, usually spontaneously. And um, mm -hmm. so, gosh, you know, it's funny, man, just having this conversation, it's like, uh, I'll just say it like this and maybe it's, maybe it's apparent, but, but, um, early on in my life, there was a lot of grief. <laughs> and so the, the struggles that we're talking about at, you know, in, in with what happened in, in 94 and so on, you know, life prior to that, uh, wasn't necessarily easy either and and have a beautiful family but lost my dad at a really young age and so you know there were bands and there were there were musicians that represented me in a way and represented my feelings in a way that was like just brought me into such a place of power with myself. So that's where it started. And then who were you listening to back then? Back then, I mean it was the it was the you know, late 80s, early 90s, so it was like I mean, I was all over, I was all over the map. You know, the first people that come to mind was like right when Pearl Jam broke, mm. you know, and Eddie Vedder was just somebody who, you know, as some, I grew up surfing too my whole life. So it was like, I felt like there is somebody who's, you know, had dad issues and was a surfer. You know what I mean? It was like, he was the, he was the, I didn't know any of that then, but you know, it's funny. And, or like Rage Against the Machine was a big uh, mover for me. I mean, Metallica early on, like. Um, early Metallica, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. I mean, gosh, it's like, it, yeah, it was really across the board because, you know, I had 
four older sisters too. And so they were listening to like early U2 and, mm. and, you know, that kind of sonic landscape, like that Joshua Tree album of U2 when that came out for me. And that was uh, the, the way that album sounded and the sort of depth and breadth of the subtleties of the, of the sort of wall of sound that was that album. Um, so yeah, those are a few, a few, you know, bands that come to mind from that time. But um, to answer your question, you know, I think I started tinkering with the guitar just because it felt good. And then what it became after mm, years of playing and years of devoting myself to it was rather than a song being rather than someone who's playing a song being the thing that was delivering me to a place of power within myself or a place of creativity or a place of freedom or inspiration the the sweet spot for me as a musician was to be able to get to that place and listen and translate that what i was hearing into us into sound into a song so it was essentially wow music he was such a healer for me as a listener and then as a creator it was the gateway for me to access that source point that if i'm there and i'm listening and i'm receptive is an extremely healing place to be hmm. Hmm. yeah i can definitely i definitely get that feeling um that that is kind of a great great journey to go on the one of kind of feeling into the music and and then kind of finding a way to um or or you know building up your tool set to be able to kind of craft um that experience or a experience a unique kind of feeling across and that that translates that's actually yeah. the reason we connected man it wasn't even it wasn't even I got to get this guy on the show to have a chat. It was more, you know, I'm really feeling this music. I can mm. feel something real here. And um, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And I mean, it's, it's, it's great how it's kind of led into this kind of path and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying writing it. I just must say, um, yeah. So would you be able to tell me a little bit about Nara Sanana and yeah. a, a little bit about how that came to be and, and, and um, yeah. And I, I'm curious to know if that's very different from the other stuff you've done before. I mean, from a genre perspective. Yeah. I mean, those first bands that I was in early on were all more, uh, you know, metal rock kind of bands. Um, you know, things were going well if there was a mosh pit forming. You know mm. what I mean? It was like that was the that was the 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 place uh, where I started, and so that album, the so the let's see where to start with that album. Um, I had been studying some in at, so at that probably for like five years prior to that. I was studying, deeply studying sort of indigenous 
folk music, um, like Brazilian indigenous folk music, which was a very specific kind of. How'd you get into that? That's that sounds like. Yeah, it was it was uh, you know without getting into a much longer story, it was a it was essentially plant medicine that delivered me there. Mm-hmm. And I ended up um, really sort of apprenticing a, a maestra, like a, a real master musician. And she, um, uh, apprenticing with, I should say, you know, I was the apprentice. She was, she was the, the teacher and um, extraordinary voice. And, it, and she essentially said you know if you want to play these songs and and because i was sort of at the time called to be of service in a ceremonial setting so it was it was i had gone from sort of a a participant of this ceremony to saying wait how do i get involved here and and i was lucky enough to fall into a, a a study of music with this teacher and man she basically unwound the way I played music and said I'll teach you these songs and this the scenario might be that you know once I learned the songs and once I was given the opportunity to hold that seat you know there might be there might be 70 or 80 people in the room and my responsibility was to play the opening melody melody line of a song and then the group would come in and sing the melody of the song and so I was in this position where these and we might play somewhere of you know a hundred songs in a night Mm -hmm. so it's six to eight hours of playing precise melody lines that all sound somewhat similar, but are completely unique. And she had, (laughs) this woman had the patience, like I've never seen. I mean, she would, I would play the song when I was learning and she'd be like, no, 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 it's not like that. You know, it's not dun, 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 it's dun, 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 you know, and it would be maybe a half step down of a note, but it was a different note. And she was like, you can't not play it like that. This is the way it's meant to be played. And so... It's a totally different experience otherwise. Totally different experience and different rhythms. You know, there were there were waltzes. There was a, what they called a mazurka, which was like a 4-2 time. There were, you know, and I was always 4-4. Four, four. Mm. And so to get my right hand to act in a way that was in rhythm with the actual essence of the song... I was like, you know, it was brutal. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a brutal relearning how to walk. How long were you there and, for? Uh, well, it, this, the bulk of this uh, all actually happened in North America. And she was living here, uh, the Brazilian woman that was living here. And we were in that study. Gosh, we were in that study i would say like three years solid and that's 
five days a week and, you know, consistent, consistent. And then I was in that role of playing music for, gosh, I don't know, somewhere maybe along the lines of five, six years. And so I, that comes to mind because not a sadhana as an album. Um, and, you know, again, part of me is just like, I know we've got people listening to this conversation, but man, I do not get to talk about this ever. So it's so cool to get to speak about this. Yeah, you know? it's great to hear it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so the translation of that word, Nada Sadhana, um, it's Sanskrit. And so Nada is a play, it, it essentially means flow or a river of sound. And um, Nadis, if you know anything about Qigong or yoga or uh, building energy cultivation in the body, this notion of like, you've got all these little tiny tubes of energy channels moving through the body called Nadis. Well, so the nadis are the tiny tubes and tiny rivers, and nada is a, a bigger sort of river of sound. It's the river of sound. And sadhana is uh, essentially a, the translation of sadhana is like a spiritual practice. So we named the project Nada Sadhana because it, the intent in how we made it was under the influence of this idea of the spiritual practice of listening to sound and so when we recorded the album it was myself and um this wonderful musician producer uh his nickname's Pooj, but hussein rue is his name and Pooj. You know, yeah yeah his, his nickname was the Pooj, and uh <laughs> known him his whole life and that album wouldn't be without him. I mean, that's just the facts. And um, he produced it and he created an environment where he said, like, I showed up in his apartment every Monday. We were in the East Village of New York and um, he had a home recording studio and I would walk in and he'd say, play something. And I would just sit and I would listen and I'd play a, a piece and he would be like, all right, let me sit with that. And he would create a structure. And then he just said, okay, what's next? And we just started to layer instruments. But the way, I mean, it really gives me chills. It's like, it's, I mean, and I haven't wrote, you know, I have so many songs written and we don't have the second album yet. And it's so funny, man, because I've wanted to record this for so long now, but we had a such a special moment in time because we did not keep one track that didn't sound pure mm -hmm. you know if the if the playing experience of what we were doing felt at all contrived or that it was like oh this is what i want to do versus this is what i have to do we were like scratch it that's an interesting you know. thing. That is that's a very interesting point. I'm just going to kind of jump in a little bit. I'll, I'll, we're going to get back on track, but I'm just that no, that, yeah. that what you're talking about now is fascinating. I've had that experience myself, you know, like whether it's playing in front of people or or playing with a certain in, like forceful or controlling vibe, I guess, and like witnessing the music come out kind of you know representative of that 
and yeah. and the opposite as well um of kind of being in some sense of flow and kind of being allowing myself to be washed over by what i'm doing and and the motions of what i'm creating to kind of fuse with it so that it's kind of a a seamless kind of transition out into you know the totality of everything and and that experience the the music is so sweet and so it's almost like you're not even the one creating it it's almost like this force is kind of going through you and just kind of you know it just feels you feel you feel that that oneness that we so often hear about and speak about so yeah, it's a beautiful oh. thing. So you weren't you were you were noticing these moments, and you were like obviously in the experience with um, with Pooge, and yeah. and you were um, feeling into whether or not it felt pure. Yeah, and that was really, I would say, you know, as a as a listener of music, you know, there's a there's a festival called Bonnaroo here in the States. And I've gone now, you know, I think 15 out of the, or 16 years that I've spent on that farm. And that's four days of music, you know, and maybe 80 bands. And what I continually seek out, which is, I think what most people either consciously or unconsciously seek out is the musicians that are willing and able to go into a transcendent place. You know, Jack White is somebody who comes to mind who like, he can't, I mean, the, the, the watching him play music or feeling the transmission of him playing music, that dude is not phoning it in. You know, it's like, it, it, you see the way it moves through his body and, and, you know, there's there's musicians like Jim James for me is a music is a guitar player who does a similar he 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 aims towards a certain place, you know, and that transcendent piece for me is I mean, I don't know, maybe most avid musician or music lovers will say something similar, but I it's what I need the music to be as a listener, you know, it's what I crave is that sense that oh man, this is, they are merely a channel to something moving through them and it, and they are not in the way, <laughs> you know? And that's, that's what I look for. And so in, as a, as a musician, you know, again, this is really, this conversation is compelling me to get really make the moves to get back in a studio because that is my compulsion is to play because to get there and I think connecting the dots to the to let's say that really the the job of playing music in a ceremonial setting was you ah man it's it's almost like the only way to survive in that setting was to surrender and let the music move through you. And so that I looked at that period of time as a training that enabled me to deal with the sort of blunt force of when that power is actually moving through you in an authentic way. It's like your nervous system 
it's partly why people contort, you know, it's like you watch people contort in the, or like, um, like Tom York is another one, you know, you watch that guy play music and watch him hold his neck or move his neck to find that way in which that thing can come through, you know? So that's, that's what I would want for myself as a musician. And it's certainly what I look for in, in listening to music. Mm. <laughs> that's a great place for another song. So we'll throw one more in. And I was hoping, let me know what you think about this. And I don't know how strapped you are for time, Kevin. So I was hoping maybe uh, we could play one more song now and then chat for a little bit more because this is this is fun. And yeah. and maybe if you're open to it and feel free to say no, depending on kind of what what mood you're in at the moment. But I was hoping maybe we could do a short guided meditation to close things off. It can be. Oh man, I'd be super happy to. Yeah. Ah, awesome. Yeah. So I thought that might be, you know, a cool way to kind of um, take us down. So, um, okay. So I'll play a song now, and um, and then we'll get back into it. Cool.
So how do we pick things up from this point? Wow. What a conversation. <laughs> well, um, hmm. Hmm. I, you know, there's something I would love to say since you've, since you've delivered us into this, uh, place, you know, with your, with your, the, the, the inquiry and the questions. And it's just to say that the other, I think this is where the yoga comes in a little bit in terms of the fact that I had been teaching yoga all the while and, and not for just the physicality of it, but for the, the, the construct of the, of the, the philosophy and the, the perspective of how the tradition pulls apart the human organism and body mind, and even the distillation of mind into like refined, the refined aspect of consciousness and, and, um, you know, the, the physical structure and the energetic structure, but also creating like the frameworks so that we can land in a place of clarity with what's our mind versus what is our pure consciousness or pure beingness. And so I had had those frameworks over me or in me as I was writing this album with Pooj and the man, if there was one dream that I had in making that album, it was that if the premise of yoga is you do all of the, these practices, meditation or asana or, you know, whatever you're doing, you do it to come into alignment so that you can be a clear channel for that creative power to move through you. That's really the premise of the practice. And, and then do something meaningful with that power, you know, with that substance of pure creative energy. And the freaking, the goal of that album was if there was some way that we could create a sonic landscape that with the specific intent that the listener would somehow be aligned and organized in a way that they would be sort of brought into their own experience of their own essence of creativity. That was what we, that's what that album is for. Yeah, that's, that, that's, it comes through. It really does. And, and, it, and that's, again, that's the reason I kind of connected with you. And, and I, I think it's, yeah, it's important to mention that intentionality behind it and how that filters through everything we do. You know, even if, you know, for example, if I'm baking a cake and I'm baking that cake with love, like that love goes through into that cake, into that being that has a bite, has a nibble and feels that kind of coming through. And it's a, it's really unquantifiable in a lot of ways, but um, it's definitely something to keep in mind when we go about, you know, our days. I want to, you're right. Thank you for picking this up, you know, in, in that moment of pause and, and leading us down this track of yoga because that's that's something that yeah i did want to kind of you know move the curtain and peer into a little bit um especially how it's connected throughout your life and it seems as though you after after all these kind of um interesting times you've had 
you found yoga somehow and you started to kind of resonate with with um you know or you got pulled towards that 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 uh that feeling again when you when you started on this path and you talked about these systems that you studied you know can you tell me about how you went got into that and and what what kind of path you took from there and 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 I know there's certain templates and things like that where did you go because there are so many schools of um uh-huh. belief and 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 um I'm just interested to see, you know, what was your journey into that and where you're at at the moment as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. You know, you can get every kind of yoga from the most sort of physically based, non-spiritual, just workout movement kind of yoga to, you know, extreme devotional uh bhakti yoga that is all about you know singing and merging with the divine in that way and i think for me i came into it like really disinterested and it was more on a bit of an ultimatum by a girlfriend that i was with that was like you are really you can really be an asshole and and you know you like i just had a lot of anger in me and so I, she's, she was like, I really think you need to do something. And I was a bit like, I was a surfer uh, slash kind of weightlifter. So I didn't necessarily have a, an interest in yoga or any real deep concept of the spiritual underpinnings of, of what it was. So when I started, it was super basic and it was like, just hatha yoga like straightforward postures and i remember the teacher just having conversations about things like what they would call ahimsa or non-violence and and being kind to yourself and and you know recognizing your ego and i just remember being like fuck this you know like, really you in the beginning really? yeah yeah just, just like this is not for me. <laughs> I'd love to have seen your face in one of those moments, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was definitely a bit of a cynic, and and uh, you know, kind of a, a typical, uh, typical kind of Southern California guy at mm. the time. Um, which anybody from Southern California knows that guy, and um, a bit closed off and a bit you know, uh, fronting a, a strength that I didn't want to have challenged. And, um, so I started there, you know, and then I ended up moving to New York, uh, cause I was in LA at the time, moved to New York. And then I really ended up just taking to, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but I was doing, uh, an alignment based Iyengar style of yoga, which is, Hmm. more technical and and um and then when i decided to leave my job and go train i went into a a school called integral yoga which is like very classical hatha yoga with the study of philosophy and meditation and pranayama as the an integral part of the practice so it was way less physical and more about 
the philosophy and meditation and that piqued my interest. And then, I mean, I really went through it all, man. I, I taught Kundalini yoga for a little while, which is another brand. That's interesting. That's more, yeah, I really went through all of the different styles and <clears throat> landed, you know, you ask kind of, where is it now? And, uh, I, yeah, I taught vinyasa yoga and alignment based yoga for about 17 years and, or I guess maybe 15 years and then discovered Tantra. And that's, I'm, I'm all in on Tantra, which basically is for lack of a bigger description, the science of energetic management. So it's, it's leveraging the body and it's leveraging the breath in very specific ways to create specific states. So let's say I need to energize. I'll do a solar practice that develops a lot of fire in my navel center. Mm. And that'll leave me feeling supercharged or I'll do maybe a more quote lunar practice which has longer holds and longer breaths and quiet is built. The lunar is the, the mind in this case. Mm -hmm. So the, the lunar practice being the practice to quiet and subdue the activity of the mind. And so that's really for me, the most efficient, it's like my question, I mean, maybe it's because I'm 48 now versus, you know, 25 when I started, but it's like, my question is really like, how little do I have to do to get the most benefit and to get into the deepest place? That's interesting. Yoga. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's an interesting point. And one that I don't know, like, I feel, I feel like we'll come back to it at some point, um, yeah. but just in regards to the idea of kind of what we were kind of dancing around a little bit before of connecting to our own kind of innate inner wisdom or intelligence. Mm -hmm. Would you be able to kind of share with me how you might in specific terms within your own life at the moment, reach kind of a state of spaciousness or, or come back to that kind of innate state of stillness that we all have kind of mm -hmm. access to within us. Mm -hmm. Um, in the in the obviously in the in the context of connecting to our own, you know, insights or intelli intelligence that may arise from that state. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it to me, if you practice with enough consistency, long enough, the 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 effect of the practice starts to get uh i'll say it like this it gets louder you know it gets more robust there's more texture there it's more tangible so the kind for me the the, the way to enter into that space now is simple because there's a lot of resonance that's been built up through energy cultivation and through time spent in relationship to well my mind really so it's like the difference between my mind uh being in a loop of a thread of a sort of neurotic or compulsive 
thought process that's based on a feeling. So fear or grief or joy or whatever it is, and that sort of creating thoughts. And if I go in to, let's say, listen and access a deeper sense of connection, and all I encounter is hearing the voice inside my head, that texture of that voice is so, it's so clear now after 23 years of practice, the texture of that voice versus the other, like you're saying space or spaciousness. So if I close my eyes and start to listen, the sound of that voice that's running is so small compared to the felt sense of space. So what I do is I turn my attention towards the space. And I think what you'll hear, and maybe this is, maybe we can just play with this in the meditation that we do as mm. the outro is when you work awareness it, with enough repetition. So let's say I'm aware of my breath or like we did at the beginning. I mean, I dropped into your wave right away. You know, it's like morning for you, it's evening for me. I'm coming out of four meetings, moving like this. And you're like, let's take a breath. And it was like, whoa, my whole system dropped into your resonance. And I was like, oh, thank God, man, thank you. You know, and that was, your awareness on your breath but there's also something i get in the transmission that you're giving off which is i think probably i mean i would guess it comes from the depth of your listening that there's a spaciousness to to that when you guided that inhale there was a spaciousness there that you're creating and everybody from my perspective, has their capacity to generate that kind of space for themselves. It's just a process of spending more and more incremental time feeling into and listening into that space until the volume of silence starts to turn up, you know, and the sound of the mind starts to diminish. And once that starts to flip, you know, it starts to get real, um, it, it gets more tangible, you know, but I think the, the, for so many people, they just hear the loudness of the voice inside their head. And they're like, oh, this is, you know, <laughs> meditation is not for me, or I don't have access to my inner wisdom, or I don't have access to my intuition. And it's like, mm, you know, it's there. Do you find that even though the, the, the switch has flipped, you still sometimes have you know, an abundant amount of chatter that goes on in certain kind of moments. Um, For sure. And, and that's, it's not like, I just want to kind of, you know, clarify that it doesn't really seem like it's a permanent thing. You know, you, you reach this tipping point and it is quite, you know, a natural thing to, to be in that state and to recognize ourselves kind of within that. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't want to miss, like have it be mis misunderstood that, well, one that even what I'm talking about is the sort of desirable goal, um, because I'm just happening to talk about my experience of my state. 
Mm. But I think, so I think you're really, that's really smart and thoughtful to normalize the fact that, man, we fluctuate all the time. And, and the only reason it's consistent for me is because I'm in practice all the time. And I, if I don't, if, if I skip a, like four or five days, it's not there. So it really is the, the kind of space I'm talking about or the, the kind of accessibility I'm talking about is a happenstance of really consistent practice over a long period of time. So to sort of dial it back to more of just an everyday practitioner that's practicing every once in a while, um, you know, it's, it is, and also to, to, to very much be in the reality of my personal experience in it too, is there's no doubt there are days where it's just like, Oh man, uh, this, this thing won't stop. Like this thing won't shut up. You know, this, mm. And usually if that's the case for me, I look at where I can burn some, some energy, you know, and I pull from a whole bunch of practices, mm. you know, generate mm. heat. If my mind won't stop, how can I generate heat in my body and disperse some of that, some of that, uh, force some of that some of that percolation of that power that's you know so and and man by no means am i saying like i've arrived at any spot it's like it fluctuates all the time yeah for sure you've brought up an interesting point i like again i'm cognizant of time but there's something that has been across my radar recently and it's a really strange thought i think you might kind of be able to get me on this one um, it's when I first got my glasses, um, mm. I put them on and everything just became sharper. Everything at all, everything all around my, my, my world changed, my reality shifted and everything became super sharp, but I never wear them. I never, I hardly ever wear my glasses these mm. days because I've noticed that when I wear them and then I take them off, um, things become sharper for a, for a little while, but then when I take them off, things go hazy um for for a longer period so if i was to wear the glasses for a week and and bear with me with this one um then for two weeks preceding that you know i wouldn't be able to see properly but then afterwards i would get used to the kind of um the way things were without them and then that would be my normal vision and i wouldn't even notice that things weren't as sharp um Mm -hmm. and there's this like there's this thought that just came across my mind i've had it on a walk a couple of weeks ago and it was it was that it was the same thing with the spiritual practice in my mind. I, I thought there was some kind of a link. You know, there's this there's this idea of, you know, if you miss a day, because I've noticed missing even just one day, let alone four or five, mm. things go out of whack pretty quickly. And it, and mm. it's this idea of, you know, it it would be kind of similar to me committing to not wearing glasses and, and only wearing them on special occasions or committing to wearing them for the rest of my life and and you know, um not living without them is this idea of kind of committing to a spiritual practice um, or a practice like meditation for a lifetime and, and looking at that as kind of a consistent thing rather than something that you would just do um, to improve like a self-improvement hack or something that you'd quickly implement into your life. It's looking at it as a kind of ongoing journey or process as everything seems to be. I feel like that's kind of where it's at. 
Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. But do you have this? Do you, do you, do you still do you see the connection between? I guess, um, you know, it's it's. Do we do you feel like we might get used to it or get kind of um, like we might actually kind of become reliant a bit on the on the on the practice? I I mean I for me it's a it's a refuge and it's a necessity it's like water you know it feels like water it keeps my system lubricated and 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 nourished and so there is a there and could i survive without it absolutely my nervous system would adjust and i would normalize to a level of stress that i wouldn't realize was stress but it would feel yeah, I would be normalized to it. And Mm. so I'm, my aim is to consistently create a sense of balance in my nervous system so that I can stay healthy and well, you know, in my, in, in my systems of my body. And, and, it's uh, it's really cool, man. That this actually comes back to your question because, not to get too esoteric on it, but when we're talking about energy cultivation, so whether it's qigong or whether it's the uh, the tantric form of hatha yoga, the whole premise that nobody talks about probably because they might sound like an asshole if they do, or, you know, it could be easily misconstrued or something, but the, the whole idea of cultivating energy is one, yes, that it leads to that sort of vibrancy and that clarity, uh, that sight and that, that health and that, uh, yeah, vibrancy, but there's a, and you know, I, I'm I'm hearing like the scientist and the and the sort of, wow, I'm I'm hearing the counter argument to it in my head as I'm saying it. So I get it. I get that I'm opening myself up here, but uh, to some you know so, someone saying like, okay, yeah, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But experientially, with that energy, when that gets when you cultivate a, a, a level of vibrancy that you can, in the same way you listen to music, you'd listen to the energy, you know, that subtle thing. Maybe you do, you could do like a, a bunch of breath work, right? And that, that takes you to a certain place. But I'm talking about building sustained incremental chi and life force over a period of time the that chi becomes the vehicle to spirit you know so they talk about like in the taoist system they would say jing chi and shen and so they would say jing is like the most essential and then the chi is like well that's we're building this sort of life force of energy when that gets refined to a degree, it turns into Shen, which is spirit. So if you want to tune into your inner wisdom or you want to, you want that vehicle to tune into intuition, build the Chi and then rest your mind on the Chi 
and then listen. And most likely there's going to be a phenomenological event that occurs. And in terms of, you know, like the long game of the, the hack, you know, the sort of, if you want a sort of intuition hack, man, I mean, I don't know. I've never necessarily formulated those words in that way, but it comes up, you know, in relationship to what we're talking about. Mm. So it's just some food for thought for somebody. For me, I think um, that that connects to something really the project that I'm working on very deeply, actually. So oh, good. Yeah, thank good. you for sharing, and I'd love to dive deeper into that and in some yeah, good. sometime. Good, good. Yeah. Wow. Uh, cool. So, yeah, that's this is this is good stuff. I feel yeah. I feel happy with all of this. I feel like people uh, will be feeling these vibes, and I feel like um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely the whole thing is some food for thought and and for feeling as well. Um, mm. So maybe I'll play one more track because I'm I'm liking this um, the flow of things, and then and then maybe we could step into together um, this this meditation or this space um, that I'll let you lead into. Is there anything that you w thought was worth mentioning um, before we did so? Oh, gosh, man. Let's see. Uh, I, I really feel like, um, no, I feel like we're, we're, we're just in a sweet spot and, and mm. going into a song sounds great. And then, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll thank you at the end, but that's the, you know, some gra gratitude comes to mind right now, but uh, otherwise, you know, maybe just getting out of the way and letting some folks listen to the, the track sounds like the move. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, yeah, let's, um, let's help people get out of the way now with, um, <laughs> with some, um, some guided meditation. What do you right. <clears throat> All right. So, I mean, if um, we kind of assume we've got folks on the other end here that have been listening to this conversation and listening to those songs and, so the senses are pretty activated. So I would say just to, we start maybe just refreshing uh, our seat and, you know, so for the listeners just to adjust whether, you know, you don't have to be seated cross-legged, you can just be seated in a chair or, uh, but be upright, you know, take some length into the spine. And as the spine lengthens, I would then just loop the shoulders up and back and down. So they're set, shoulder blades are set kind of down the back. The front of the chest is opening. And you could even imagine that the rib cage, the rib cage itself, like the whole circumference of the rib cage is floating up. And then we have been in the head a lot or talking a lot. So let's just bring the awareness now into how the head is kind of sitting atop the spine and 
let the neck relax a bit so that the head can really find a place of being poised on top of the spine, almost like a cork just floating in water. The jaw relaxed. Let the tongue just drop away. Let it be quiet. Maybe the back of the eyes soft. And then just connecting the dots to how you opened the conversation. Let's come into a slow, deep breath and just have everybody take the length of breath that feels easeful. And at the peak of the inhale, just a slight pause. And then keeping the sort of uprightness in the spine, let the exhale just seep out. And then let's tune the awareness for just about a minute into that flow of breath in and out through the nose and see if you can't listen or sense or feel the exact moment that the airflow is coming in to the nose. So you actually feel the body registering the inhalation at the nostrils. And we'll let the mind get the cue that it's being asked to rest right at the nostrils and just feel the airflow going in and out there and create a nice, smooth, easeful breath in and out. body relaxed. And we'll make the, the peak of the inhalation, we'll make it the center of the forehead. So you can imagine like third eye center. So the inhalation is coming in through the nose and it's peaking right at that point at the center of the forehead. And then the exhalation, you're tracking the breath back out the nostrils. Just super smooth, easy breath. No tension in the face at all. Stay with it like four or five more rounds of breath and let the mind just ride on the rhythm of the wave of the breath.
And then we'll just make one shift to this, which is imagine that the breath is getting more subtle. So it's, it's almost as if the lungs are kind of dropping out of the equation. Uh, you know, they're obviously not, but let the breath get a little bit more subtle. So it's just like this pulse that you're following. And then after the next round of breath, let's let the awareness just hover right at the center of the forehead, almost as if it's, it's like a, a place that's built for the mind to rest without any effort. And we'll just rest at that still point for just a moment. And then just get a sense of that still point in space. So without any effort, just let your awareness perceive the space around that still point. It's like almost as if your listening broadens and widens to a broader field of awareness, but with no effort. It's just like collectively we're listening to this silent song. And then uh, let's go ahead and just come back to a 
to a deeper breath again. And you may, you know, you may be in a, a, a pocket of receptivity that you don't want to come out of it. So, you know, feel free to stay there, but just for the sake of grounding us as a group, uh, we'll come back to a little bit deeper breath and just take a few rounds of breath in and out to come back into the body. And then why don't we go ahead and bring the palms together and just rub the hands so we generate a little bit of heat in the hands. And then once you get that heat, uh, let's take the palms and cup them over the eyes. And then massage the temples or just bring your fingertips to press and kind of touch on the skin of the temples or the neck and we'll land the, land the plane. <clears throat> and then I always like to finish uh, with the palms at the heart and the chin drop towards the chest so that the back of the neck can really release. And this is a, a traditional seal or a mudra to close the circuitry of what we're doing. And then at some point, uh, just releasing the hands and floating the head back up and um, in your own time, just floating the eyes back open and coming back out. <clears throat> So yeah, you, you can see it doesn't take much to, to doesn't take much to alter the the space. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I I don't know. If, the mic on the computer picked it up, but that, you know, pretty amazing punctuation of the Brooklyn police car, you know, driving by the neighborhood just to bring us back to that beginning of the conversation, you know? Yeah. It was a nice, a nice kind of, um, you know, end to the cycle, a nice loop, I guess, back to the, to the beginning. Um, and, you know, I was speaking to someone, again a couple of weeks ago from brooklyn actually on another podcast and and there was sirens like throughout the whole um conversation and before we began she let me know that there would be apparently it's a quite a, a frequent thing over there and yeah. um she was saying that they're kind of worried that it might affect the the quality of the show and i was kind of there's something nice about that kind of um yeah the, the creak in the chair or the sirens going past or that, that those little accents that really bring you back to what's what's going on when you when you ground yourself and, and i thought it was a beautiful accent yeah that yeah. especially at that point where it entered in um just after you 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 know 
after you kind of highlighted uh, the space that we were all in. So that was, yeah. that was beautiful. And, and I just wanted to share my gratitude with you and just say, thank mm-hmm. you. Um, thank you for being here with me and, and for doing this and, and, you know, um, be the willingness to connect and to open up and explore mm-hmm. some areas that, you know, they seem quite sacred to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you, Michael, really it's, it's, uh, I appreciate the invitation and there was something about the invitation that was just a a very clear, uh, yes, that I wanted to have this conversation. And these aren't things I get to talk about very often. And, and I, I don't think about them necessarily in the ways that we were able to get into and so it really um you, you know i i it sh- was such a meaningful experience you know from this end and and um i also appreciate getting to drop that meditation in at the end and just getting to sort of touch into some of that work as part of the conversation you know because i feel like um that is so much of what I do in the world, you know, and so the, just this podcast and this uh, conversation, it, it highlights, yeah, I mean, you know, back to that story of like my two favorite things to do, which are play music and 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 facilitate these practices. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much. You have my gratitude. You have my love. You have my... I guess, presence on your journey. And um, I'm really looking forward to hearing from you. If you feel uh, like you'd like to connect, then please reach out. I had a uh, you know beautiful being from France actually reach out recently and it, and it really made my week. It was some um, something really special that you know made me feel a lot more connected to all you guys out there and you. So thank you. Uh, so yeah reach out if you feel like it stay tuned to the next episode they're coming out regularly and um, yeah if you feel like supporting the show in any way I ask that you just drop me a comment uh, subscribe or leave me a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and uh, yeah I appreciate your your being here with me and, and Kevin